What's up, everyone, and welcome to Beer Breakdown, where we dig into the stories behind some of our favorite beers with the brewers that brew them. My name is Gary, founder of Hopped LA, and today I am talking to John Garcia, head brewer at King Harbor Brewing Company in Redondo Beach, California. Uh, today we're drinking a couple really special and interesting beers. Uh, both of them are part of their seventh anniversary release mixed four pack that had a hazy double IPA, a Munich style Dunkel that was a collab with Naughty Pine Brewing. Um, and then the two beers we drank, one was uh, Four Right. It's a cold IPA hopped with Raquel, Citra, and Idaho 7. Uh, a trendy style, uh, an up-and-coming style you don't see too often, a controversial style, I think, in a lot of circles. Uh, so whether you know cold IPA or you don't, it's really interesting uh, talking through this beer with John, uh, how he approached it, um, and how he thinks it came out. And uh, spoiler alert, it's delicious, really, really good. And then also the crown jewel of the four-pack, you know, their anniversary release, this is French Toast Latte, a dessert-style stout with cinnamon, Madagascar vanilla, Nicaraguan coffee, maple syrup, and lactose sitting at 9%, a collab with one of their local coffee shops, Hi-Fi Espresso. Uh, what's really interesting about this beer is not just what it tastes like, and it's completely delicious, but really the path that John took to get to this beer. I mean, he started homebrewing maybe five, six years ago and then really put himself in a position to succeed um, starting new projects, um, getting himself in positions where he could take advantage of opportunities to jump into the industry, jump in to help establish breweries and then work his way up to really where he is today. I mean, he even was a part of one of the early Los Angeles craft beer podcasts uh, paving the way to what you're listening to right now. So I really appreciate his journey. I think it's super inspiring and it, it really sets the foundation for uh, the beers that we drank tonight, what they're all about and kind of where King Harbor is going with him at the helm. So I really hope you guys enjoy this story. Uh, and as always, this podcast pairs perfectly with the beers themselves. So press pause. I won't be offended and go to King Harbor. If you're listening to this podcast in October and maybe the early November, uh, these beers are probably still available at their tap room. It's the French toast latte and the four right cold IPA. So pick these up and then fire up the podcast and drink them along with us. The beers and the podcasts go down so much better when you do. But first, a quick word from our sponsor, Hilo Liquor. Hilo has the best beer selection in the LA area, hands down. They bring in some of the best beers from local LA breweries, from breweries throughout Southern California and throughout the state. Um, they also bring in a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, throughout the country and internationally. Honestly, Hilo has beers that you will not see anywhere else. I guarantee that. I recommend Hilo to everybody. They have a store in Culver City and they also have a store in Long Beach. Uh, both of them are amazing. They bring in food trucks. So you can pick up some food, pick up some beers, 
the Long Beach location has their tap room open and they do like special curated flights on Friday nights. It's really a thing that you have to check out. So uh, hit up Hilo. You can go to HiloLiquor.com, place an order, get it delivered to you uh, throughout the LA area or most of the LA area. Um, they also do shipping throughout California, but honestly, the in-person experience is really where it's at. So even if it's like a 30 minute drive, I think once in a while, it's worth heading down to Culver or Long Beach, whatever's closest to you and going and checking out Hilo in person. Uh, awesome staff that will recommend cool stuff to you and guide you in the right direction, depending on what you like. Um, yeah, Hilo is unmatched in LA and we're so lucky to have them as a sponsor. So please check out Hilo, support us, support them. Hilo, drink well. Thanks for joining today, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we had like <laughs> scheduling around the Dodgers playoffs, man. I mean, it's a, it's a difficult oh, yeah. thing. Yeah, no, I understand. <laughs> I was like, when we were rescheduling, I was like, if the Dodgers win the next two games, we might be looking at having to reschedule again on Tuesday. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm sad they lost, but I'm also glad we were able to make this happen now. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Um, yeah, I saw your uh, your story right when I was um, trying to log in, and I saw you you had the dunkle as well, so I had to run and grab that. And then... Uh, you know, I just got to be prepared. You know, you, right. you never, you never know where it's going to go. Um, yeah, I was, there's all three of these or all four of the beers that you sent. Um, well, you sent more than four, but the four from the anniversary pack. Um, yeah, I just love the diversity in that. Like, I love like where you guys went with that and it's just, you get a little bit of something different and I myself don't have your beers all too often. Um, yeah. and so being able to get a look at like a little bit of what you can do in different styles is pretty neat. So thanks for sending that out. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. It was all for our, the anniversary and, you know, we wanted to go all out for it and um, we're sad that we ended up postponing it, but the, the beer was still on its way. So yeah, it was just a good opportunity to kind of just show what, you know, what we like and what we wanted to brew. So yeah, yeah when I, I want to get into the beers, but before I do, Maybe for anyone that hasn't heard of King Harbor, like what are you guys all about? What's what's King Harbor Brewing Company? I think at the very beginning uh, they wanted it to be beer for the beach. You know, um, we're so close to 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 the beach. I mean, I mean, our name King Harbor is just kind of paying homage to to that whole kind of lifestyle. And um, but uh, yeah, as the years have gone on, I don't know. That's what I'm trying to figure out now that I've kind of stepped in. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've been with the company, oh man, four, four years. So uh, it feels a lot longer than that, actually. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That 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 is a good question that I probably need to <laughs> need to figure out on on, on my own. But um, yeah, we're we're trying to to keep you know the core things consistent and and you know keep the quality up, but also um, uh, I am really trying to to. Uh, reach out to um you know other other people in the industry just and and craft beer fans to kind of let them know that um we're still here and we're uh trying to change things up and, and make things a little exciting again good example for the mix four pack that i sent you doing a a dunkle all the way to uh 
to a dessert stout and, and a bunch of things in between. So, yeah. So King Harbor, I guess the namesake, and I, I learned this after you guys opened is the Redondo beach Harbor. Um, yeah. so I, I, even though I was born and raised in Los Angeles, I am not a South Bay guy. So yeah. I didn't even really know about that. So you guys have three locations in Redondo mm-hmm. beach. So essentially you're Redondo beaches brewery, but, um, the beer goes much further beyond that. Is there anything on your guys's list that is would be considered a core brand? I know like King Harbor IPA back in the day was like a big one for you guys. And there was yeah. a few others. Um, but these days, what does it look like from like a, I don't know, core or flagship? Or sure. is there anything that kind of sits there? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, uh, Tiki Hut IPA, we... we um, we call it a tropical IPA um, was made a few years ago. And that, to be honest, kind of helped us get through um, the hard parts of the pandemic and all the the shutdowns and everything. So that beer really kind of saved us. Um, so Tiki Hut IPA would be uh, one of our flagships um, followed closely behind uh, following. It would be um, a guava lava, which is a goza style tart ale with, with guava and, um, and then as we've seen uh, over the past year, um, to round out kind of like a top four, surprisingly, would be uh, lagers. So our top side, German-style pills, uh, mm. which you, you've had. Yeah. Um, and then a little bit newer uh, to the stage would be our um, Redondo Special, which is a Cerveza-style lager. Oh, cool. Yeah. So those top four, I would say, are, are, are usually pretty consistent these days. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you mentioned, you know, just a lot of change. I feel like, you know, you're coming in, you're talking about evolution, you're talking about showing who we are now. Um, Mm -hmm. you've been with the company a few years now and your role there has evolved, um, which we'll get into, but let's rewind. Like, okay. Uh, where, how did you, when did you first start getting into beer and like, what did that look like? So I, I, somewhat prepared because I figured that question would come and I don't know if I've ever answered it. Um, <laughs> I will say this is my, my first time on a podcast that I, I wasn't hosting or co-hosting. So first of all, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm sorry. <laughs> so even though I've got this graying beard, the gray is coming from my three-year-old, not really too much from age. Um, I turned 21 in like Oh, beginning of or end of like 2008, 2009. So um, when I started really getting into craft beer, I, I was extremely lucky. You know, I don't have the Sierra Nevada story that most brewers that I, I kind of look up to have. I, I actually have, um, you know, a Monkish and a Strand and an El, an El Segundo and a Smog City story. So those were actually the some of the first beers that I had tried that weren't, you know, the more of the macro things. Um, went to school locally at Cal State Dominguez Hills and um, actually one of uh, Monkish's, I'm, I don't know if he's a tasting room manager, but Hiro used to uh, manage the the sports bar on campus. Huh. So he probably gave me one of my first legal drinks. Um, <laughs> it was most likely some kind of a German wheat beer. And, um, and then actually had a studio teacher that that started getting us into uh cigars and craft beer so um we would go and have class and there was a balcony in our building 
where we would um, have cigars and people would bring like stone and ballast point and um, yeah, no, just went to like a local restaurant, asked what they had on tap. They said they had this Belgian style beer that was local and they were going to be opening up a, a spot soon to the public or something along those lines. And, and it turned out to be a monkish beer. So I had a monkish beer, uh, beer from the dudes and everything like pretty close together. Um, and so that was really my introduction to, to beer. So, so I got pretty lucky. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And for anyone that doesn't know your Instagram, uh, name is South Bay brew, John, right? Yeah. Yeah. And used so, to be South Bay Brew Talk. Right. Um, the the podcast, right? Yeah. I started a podcast uh, maybe um, like 2016 um, as a way to get my foot into the local craft beer scene. Um, my plan was to uh, make friends with uh, bottle shop owners, employees, bartenders, anyone, and then try to just... Uh, interview everybody and hopefully uh one of them would let me know that they had a job <laughs> opening for washing kegs or something um and it kind of worked so craft beer cellar in torrance that they're closed now i don't know uh, how familiar you are with them yeah um but the owner there brent and uh, one of his employees are actually vital to my craft beer like knowledge and history they just turned me on to every single beer that you could imagine uh really like opened my eyes to what craft beer could be and how broad it is um yeah got obsessed and then um had a a cousin now uh cousin by marriage um the very competitive family my wife's family they're argentine and croatian i don't know if that has anything to do with it but in my experience (laughs) they're very competitive um and he's like we were both into craft beer and he, he said um that we should both take up home brewing and then uh, in a couple months, have a competition, see who does better. And I was the only one that did it. He, oh, wow. <laughs> he never picked it up. Yeah. started home brewing. Um, and yeah, just, I mean, pretty much got obsessed with it. Yeah. That's, yeah. I think it's really cool. Like you're talking about how you're getting into beer originally. And some of these like, you know, local South Bay, early craft beer pioneers here in LA. Um, and you know, your podcast, if that like South Bay focus and it's, yeah. I feel like you're the South Bay guy. And, yeah. uh, I remember hearing about the podcast when, you know, hop, we were in the early days of hopped LA and I was yeah. like, all right, we're up in the Valley. Like we got this. And like, there's these guys in the South Bay that are doing something cool. Um, so it was cool to see that. And, um, it, I mean, I'm assuming you're like born and raised in the, in the South Bay somewhere, somewhere out there. Pretty much. Yeah. I've lived in Torrance, um, uh, most of my life. Um, so yeah, didn't, you know, didn't move away to college or anything like that. Um, uh, don't know what the future holds, but I, I don't think I can open up a brewery in Torrance. There's quite a few in the area, but, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to beat, but, um, yeah, yeah. I've been here pretty much most all my life. So you're, you're getting into craft, you're trying those early breweries and, mm-hmm. um, you said 2016, you started up the podcast. Was the homebrewing thing before that, or was it like after you started podcasting, or where did that come into play? Uh, it was before. Probably brewed uh, my first batch like 2014, 2015. And um, like really what 
what kind of was the turning point was uh, got married in 2015, went to Thailand for honeymoon, um, fell off, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, I guess a moped, um, and messed up my, uh, elbow, like dislocated my elbow in Thailand. Um, so when I came back, I wasn't able to work at my job at the time I was doing, um, like media transfer. So I was taking old 16 millimeter and eight millimeter film and digitizing it, restoring it and, and stuff like that. And I love the people I worked with, but I just hated that job. Like, uh, you know, spend two hours on the freeway every day and another nine hours at this job. And I just, I hated it. So when I came back and I couldn't work for like, I couldn't work for maybe two months. And then I went back part-time because my arm was like in this Iron Man type of, you know, cast and I couldn't use it for, for a couple months. I just, I had time to kind of, um, think about what I wanted to do. And I knew that if I went back to that job full time, like they were trying to make me manager of a new store and I'd be there probably now. So, um, at that time, Sholb was, was gearing up to open, uh, and they are really close to where I live. I live, um, pretty close to the Sholb Absolution area. And so I'd go there once a week and talk to Patrick and Jason and all of them, uh, like just asking, like, can I come in and wash kegs? Can I come in and just shadow you? You know, when you're ready to hire someone, you know, can, you know, can I be that person? And, um, like they, they hustled for a couple years. I think they did everything. The two couples, there was four of them. They just did everything. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, unfortunately just wasn't able to find a spot there. Um, but then, uh, Zymergy Brewworks in Torrance down Hawthorne was opening up. So did the same thing, went over there and I'm like, Hey, you know, I just want a job in the beer industry. I'll clean kegs or whatever you want me to do. And, um, yeah, ended up getting a job there. So that was like my, my first official, um, like industry gig and the podcast had already like started ramping up slowly at that time. That's cool. So the plan kind of worked, right? Mm -hmm. Like the podcast got you talking to people, got you knowing about these places that were opening up or on the verge of opening up and building those relationships early. And it's so cool that you landed at Zymergy, um, just such a unique spot. Like tell, tell us a little bit about that concept. RIP. I feel like that concept is such a, a cool thing to have for people for just this specific reason. Uh, for getting people like deeper in the in the brewing industry, and I don't think we have anything like that uh, right now, kind of. So yeah, what is what's Zymergy? Um, so it was an extremely small place um, in Torrance that was a, a like a DIY brew spot. So I know there was a few places. There was a place in Redondo uh, that closed years ago that kind of did the same thing. I know there was a place in like Orange County somewhere. Uh, but you make an appointment, you tell us what you want to brew and, um, and we brewed it for you. You know, if you just wanted to learn or if it was for a party or, or whatever. And the cool thing is that we were, um, all grain brewing. So we weren't doing extracts, uh, extract brewing, like some of the other, uh, spots were, uh, I think where we, where it fell short was, um, there was really no fermentation, like temperature control. It was like Mm. a big closet where you had all these, um, like plastic fermenters going off and, and like a little AC. And so even if the AC was set to 68, like that's not controlling the inside of a, of a carboy. So I'm sure a lot of those things got over 90, 90 degrees easy. (laughs) Um, but yeah, people would come in and, and it was, it was a lot of fun. It was, I was really hoping to, 
you know, learn from another brewer there. But it turned out like I was one of the brewers out of like three other ones. So um, it was an incredible learning experience. And I don't think there was, there'd be any way that I could have brewed over 300 recipes in, in like a year's time, which is what I ended up doing there. Um, yeah, I mean, essentially, so, like, it's like a time machine for your brewing yeah. career, for, you know, for for your brewing experience. Like, I mean, you started there, what, 2016? And how long had you been seriously homebrewing for? few years um two years well yeah 2016 i started there so i was brewing for maybe a year and a half yeah. but not to that level you know it was maybe a couple of brews every couple months and um yeah when i when i got there it was just all grain brewing like four to six batches a week some because we we had a tap room there so we were able to serve beer but then we'd get imp- appointments that would come in sometimes i do two or three on a saturday um so it, it was pretty intense to to teach people about ingredients and how to brew beer and all the steps, cleaning up after brewing, which is exhausting, serving beer, and then also cleaning up, you know, from the, the tasting room side of it. So, yeah, it, it really geared me up for how crazy an actual like a full size brewery could get. Yeah. And just the number of batches <clears throat> and different styles that you're doing and different recipes. Is there anything uh, that you were building back in that day that like has inspired anything you're doing today? Or is it all just kind of like a different league? <laughs> it's uh, I would say it's a, it's a different league. Um, but it, it, I was able to get pretty intimate with different ingredients and really just build this catalog of, you know, grain. I liked, um, uh, yeast, like, I don't know. I use so many different strains of yeast, um, and just all styles of beer. Cause you get someone that come in and, and, most often than not, we were brewing like a Pliny clone, an right. Allagash White clone, um, an El Segundo beer clone, you know, so that was the majority of thing. But then you get people that come in and they're like, I want a, a cinnamon pumpkin latte, whatever, blah, 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 blah. And, and like, well, if you're paying for those extra ingredients, like, you know, challenge accepted. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I I gathered a good catalog of of ingredients and what I liked and percentages I like to use them in. I think that I really um, try to nail down like dessert stout recipes over mm-hmm. there. And then um, I used hibiscus a lot. Really? That's where, yeah, I just abused it in every way that you could imagine. And uh, <laughs> it's actually really carried over to a, a lot of like uh, the King Harbor beers, whether it's just for color, whether it's to add acidity, whether it's for the, you know, just, I mean, the flavors that you can get at different amounts. Hibiscus is like, it's pretty magical. I have to stop using it now because we have uh, enough pink beer, I think for a little while, but <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, j- just the ingredients alone of being able to use everything kind of just making note, mental notes of it. Was is pretty, there a cost uh, thing to the hibiscus too? Like, is it cheap? It's not that expensive. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I can't tell you off the top of my head, but like a, a pound um, through like the supplier we use is, I don't know, like six bucks, eight, five bucks. It's not, not crazy. Right. And a little goes a long way. So, yeah. 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 Interesting. So um, the podcast, I think, yeah. that was, you know, I feel like right now this is the first episode I've done where the guest has like probably better sound than I do. <laughs> so I was a little bit intimidated for that. No, but, uh, uh, no, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Tell me Overkill. about the podcast. Like, I mean, uh, 
you know, 2016, interesting time for beer. I think it's probably the best time to start a podcast just because of everything that was going on during that time. Um, yeah. But yeah, tell me like the idea, the conception, like how did that all go? Like, where did it, where did it take you? Yeah. Um, like I'd be lying if I, if lying to myself, if I, you know, said I was a great host, so I knew I needed help. Um, I mean, I really like the behind the scenes thing, which is why I prefer being a brewer than a bartender. You know, I like hiding in the back. <laughs> so I, I had Brent from, from craft beer cellar and one of his employees at the time, Brian, um, and like I said, they just had a great knowledge of beer. And at the time they were both studying for, um, not the like beer server level of Cicerone, but the, the next one up, the one where, yeah, where it counts. Um, and I just thought that was fascinating. And they were just talking about beers I had never heard of styles. I had never even thought could, could like exist. And, um, so they were my co-hosts and we would do it here in, in, in my office here at the house. And, um, the idea was to interview anyone in the industry that we could, like, you know, we interviewed, um, I'm sure like a, a good bunch of people know, like I called him punk rock Josh. He was a, a, a beer tender at smog city for the longest time. You know, you couldn't miss him. You usually had like neon, uh, Mohawk and, um, yeah, I mean, we got a few brewers. We had, we did have Patrick, uh, Scholes from originally from Scholb and, Actually, Phil McDaniel, who was the original head brewer for King Harbor, was one of our, you know, first three guests. Um, and we just wanted to talk to anybody we could in the industry and then explore different styles. So we would do episodes like uh, Battle of the Quads and we would have like four or five quads and we would just do blind taste testing. And, um, you know, those guys got their hands on amazing things like West Valetta and 12, which is one of my fa- top beers ever. And he had them, he was a crazy beer hoarder and he would just have like an eight year old Westie 12, a 12 year old, the freshest one he could get. And then we would, we would do a, you know, a cellared versus fresh Westie battle. We would do battle of the double IPAs where we like, we, I remember that we had a, um, three weavers beer paired up with Pliny and we all chose three weavers in a blind tasting you know and that, that that stuff was amazing so that was the thing it was really just for me to learn and explore everything about beer that we could and and share it and if people you know wanted to listen to it that's cool i mean when i listen back it's a little like cringy you know i don't <laughs> like i think we deleted everything now because it's been a couple of years since we've done anything but um i mean it was a lot of fun and, and it, it did what it was intended to do was to like really get a foothold in the industry and just kind of go from there yeah, it's awesome. I love that. I mean, obviously, beer podcasting near and dear yeah. to my heart, just beer media in general. Um, yeah, I'm just super interested in everything beer media, which is funny because I have these conversations with a lot of people and it's like, you know, most people just want to drink the beer or they want to brew the beer or they want to yeah. sell the beer. And I'm kind of like, I just want to talk about it and uh, and just like see what other people's perspectives are. Um, when you yeah, look I, back I at love your... listening to it, I still yeah. listen to podcasts all day long, yours included. I think, uh, towards the end when we weren't doing the podcast as much, I may have approached you at like a Celador, um, anniversary and asked if you were interested in doing the podcast, you or someone else that was like at a tent you guys had. Mm. And like, I, yeah, I wanted to get you on the podcast, hopped LA. I mean, I've seen it in every beer festival and then we just kind of stopped, <laughs> stopped doing it. 
So why did it stop? Uh, well, one of the guys moved. Um, okay. He was living here in like the South Bay area. He was originally from Chicago. And if anyone listened to the podcast, he mentioned that like five times an episode. Um, <laughs> as Chicago people tend to do. Right. Uh, and then he moved to San Diego to work for Seller 3. Mm. Um, and so it got a little difficult. We lost, a, I think we lost a little magic doing it, you know, not in person, the three mm -hmm. of us to like play off of each other, which was, I think the, the most interesting part of it. Um, yeah. And then he just kept moving farther away and it just, then time differences became a factor. And then, and then, you know, I ended up getting a, a job at, at King Harbor and, um, and just took a lot of, uh, a lot of extra time from me. Yeah. Yeah. When you look and back as you at know, this is a full-time job almost. Right. It's, yeah. Setting it up, editing, doing all the up everything, you know, it's a lot. <laughs> I hope you, I hope you have help. If not like <laughs> everyone subscribe or do whatever you can to, to pay this man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a definitely, lot of work. I, I mean, I feel like it's uh yeah, it's one of those things that, you know, it's a fun thing to think about like, Oh, beer podcast. That sounds great. Um, beer blog. That sounds awesome. Beer review mm. videos. That's great. Like a weekly newsletter, like all the things that we're trying to do. And it's yeah. like each one of those things could be like a single person's full-time job. Uh, 100%. so yeah, I'm doing like all of those things, like very at bare minimum. Um, but, uh, but yeah, when you look back on your podcast, like, is there anything, do you miss it? Like, is there, is there anything you, you like feel nostalgic about, or is there anything that you like feel like, Oh, if I did that today, I'd do it differently. Or do you ever see yourself doing one again? Oh yeah. The whole, like looking back and wanting to do things differently. That's everything. <laughs> that's yeah. music podcast, beer recipes. That's everything for me. Yeah. Um, I mean, I do miss hanging out with those, those fine gentlemen and, and just having a good excuse to talk to people in the industry, you know, like yeah. early on, I, I like, you know, sought after everyone that I like, you know, we had Henry from Monkish. Um, like we were so close, I think to doing something. And then like I got busy and then they got even more busy and, you know, like just, I do miss the, uh, having a reason to just, it's kind of weird, right? Like you meet another brewer and you're like, you want to go and just talk for, for an hour yeah. for no real reason. <laughs> um, but if you say it's for a podcast and, it's a you know a little easier to approach them and then i do miss um i mean guests and and, and the other co-hosts just like uh challenging my palate because you know a good example is like i just haven't been in the mood for belgian beer in a couple of years you know um and that's i used to love it. it used to be the the beer that i the only beer that i drink uh but if i was doing the podcast i know that they would did you try this have you tried that let's you know let's do a comparison and it would just keep keep my my palate alive a little bit more you know yeah. Um, so yeah, I kind of missed that and just like the hanging out, especially the last 18 months or whatever it's been. Um, even doing that through zoom probably would have been a lot of fun. Yeah. It's Don't uh, miss all that work, extra work though. <laughs> and back in, back when you guys were doing it, like there wasn't really, I mean, there's not a ton going on now from like a beer podcast perspective, like LA beer. Uh -huh. Um, but back then, I mean, you guys were probably one of the only ones doing it at least consistently i know there was like a long beach one and i think that was mm -hmm. it like i don't really remember too much else out there um so yeah i mean being early to the game and kind of and being in that space i'm kind of jealous that i wasn't doing one back then because it's it seems like a fun time i mean now podcasts are a little bit more mainstream so when you 
ask yeah. a brewer to be on a podcast, like they get it instantly. And I think people are a little more willing to do it, but um, yeah, I mean, I think doing it back in those days would have been pr- pretty fun too. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, like, it, what do you think is a good recipe for a beer podcast? Um, you know, there's like so many different formats. Yeah. I think, I think deciding on your format is probably the first thing you want to do. Right. Cause you could be like a, like an NPR type of thing where it's super edited and produced, which is, which is cool in its own way. Um, or you could be, you know, like the more, like the loose conversation podcast, which is kind of what we wanted to do. And, and we had, we had like points of where we, we try to steer the podcast, but there are a few times where we just like someone picked up a four pack and we just drank and talked about whatever. And, and for some reason at that time, I think you're right. There was a lot going on. There were just acquisitions here and this mm-hmm. person like selling here, this one going out of business, this person, you know, doing whatever. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, if <laughs> we didn't have a successful podcast, so I don't think I have a good recipe <laughs> for it. But yeah, either like a good team to really help you if you're going like the extra production route or just like um, a good energy for a single person or like I think our strong suit again was that we were playing off of each other really well. Yeah. Because I, I get in my head a lot. And then especially, you know, I'm listening to the quality of the audio. We didn't do video. Um so I might be focusing on, okay, I got to bring that level up or that, the, you know, the, the low end on there, like his voice is too much. And then they're like, well, what do you think about the beer? I'm like, what, what are you talking about? You know, they would <laughs> go off on their own. So it kind of worked that there were three of us with completely different personalities. Um, so that was, I mean, that was fun. And I liked the whole conversation thing. I just, if, if it ended up being like a three hour podcast, I may chop it up. I wasn't too like, let's keep this at 45 minutes or something. I just. Let's just have fun. And if people don't want to listen, it's not really it's costing us a couple of bucks a month to upload it to, you know, whatever to stream everywhere. But it wasn't that big of a deal. So yeah. it was more of like, I mean, like anything, right? Like just love what you do and it'll show. Yeah. I guess that's that would be my my easy recipe. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Well, I mean, I, I got to tip my cap to you for like paving the way a little bit uh, for people like myself and uh, yeah, helping I guess to hopefully continue the conversation in audio form around beer, like in that, this like local focus, because I think there's a lot to talk about. Yeah. I think that's really important. Like what what you are, what you guys are doing and I don't know how big your team is. I hope it's more than just you. So you're, you don't, you're not exhausted. Um, Cause I know you have a a new, like not a newborn, but pretty fresh kid, right? That's, that's exhausting in its own right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I mean, there's a a little help. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of beer podcasts that I love listening to and I'll just download them weekly as they come out. And I think it's really important for, for learning as a brewer, someone that's in the industry. I mean, even going as, uh, in the direction of like social movements, the way people are, we're like, we we're behaving now. And yeah, I think it's, it's great. It's like, it's our news. It's everything. It's, it's our education. So I'm a huge uh, proponent of podcasts. I'm always, you know, just parroting what I hear and, and yeah. And then as we get into one of the beers, that's I'm sure we'll get into, I'll explain my reasons for doing a beer some way when I've heard it this way on a podcast. So yeah. Yeah. I think are important. Th- that's the, that's the part about this specific format that I really like is that I get to dig into, um, to learn more about a beer in a way that 
I don't typically get to. And I think a lot of people don't typically get to. And yeah. I'm trying to like skirt that line of like technicality and process and some of those things that I kind of get, but I uh-huh. am not totally, I'm not a brewer, so I'm not there. Um, but yeah, just trying to make it a little bit more approachable and help people understand that there's like, there's something behind this and you don't have to get it all, but like if you get little parts of it, it makes it more interesting, the entire experience. So cool. Yeah. Well, we have a couple beers I want to crack open. So the first okay, one, I'll follow your lead though, that I want to do. And, um, is from your, your anniversary four pack. It's the cold IPA. And I think okay. this is just, I mean, this is the trend. This is the the trend. We're not seeing it in LA, which is why I think it's so interesting. There's only a handful of breweries that I feel like have put out a cold IPA. And yeah. uh, I don't think a lot of people understand what it is. And I think there's like some misconceptions around it. So I'd love to just taste this with you and hear more about like sure. what you did with it and what you think about it. To be fair, I don't think there's a lot of brewers that really know what it is. So. I know, right? And I'm one of them. <laughs> <laughs> well you can you can give me like the enough the the baseline of what you do know and sure. i think more like the takeaway after brewing this like what your thoughts are so this is uh called four right cold ipa Raquel, citra and idaho seven i have a feeling this is probably no longer available at the tap room right um i there's a little bit left yeah i think there's still some kegs and maybe some cans left actually Cool. Um, yeah, that'll be my my closing statement um, about the slow season. So we'll get to cool. that soon. But yeah. yeah, so I guess kick it off. Like, what is a cold IPA? Like, let us know. <laughs> All I, all IPAs are cold is <laughs> what we're hearing in the tasting rooms. Um, so yeah, for right, I mean, it's uh, we're making it very clear that. Uh, our our entire staff is completely obsessed with golf. Um, my brother and I picked it up in the beginning of the pandemic as a way to spend time with our dad, and uh, we left him behind. <laughs> We've gotten obsessed with it. <laughs> um, so actually on the front of our can is one of our, our taproom workers and overall just like MVP of the brewery. He does everything. He stocks our, all the tasting rooms. He just kind of takes care of everything that has to do with draft and um yeah so shout out to james uh with his dodger hat everywhere he goes now um (laughs) but yeah cold ipa so i think one of the first ones i had was actually from green cheek okay um which i i love really good um so really my inspiration was timbo pills from highland park which isn't a cold ipa but i think they call it a a hoppy pills or a west coast pills something along those lines. Yeah. I think it's West coast bills. Yeah. Yeah. So I've wanted to brew something like that for a long time. Um, and then when I, when I saw this and had to figure out what beers we wanted to do for, for the anniversary, I think it just, it fit in perfectly. Um, so again, so listening to podcasts, I think Wavefinder brewing in maybe Portland, I could be wrong. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I think they might be credited with kind of starting this trend. So if you listen to him, he does cereal mashing, which we can't do. And he uses a good amount of uh, corn or rice, which I didn't want to do. Um, I think he's adamant that it's not just a rebrand on IPL, but I might be leaning a little bit more in that direction, to be honest. I think it's a more palatable 
term for consumers, you know, um, even though there's still some education that we have to do when, when people see a cold, I see the word cold IPA, but you know, it's not a secret that if you put IPA behind something, it's a little more approachable. Um, so really for us, it's, it's, uh, the alcohol of, of, uh, the ABV of an IPA, which is, this one's about seven, um, hopped the way we would an IPA. Um, but we do use lager yeast. We use our house lager yeast and we do ferment it like our lagers. So I think Wayfinder also ferments lager yeast, but warm, which again, I didn't want to do. <clears throat> and I think it's a new enough style that everyone's kind of going to have their own take on it. And, um, I think, uh, no matter how you get there, if you come across with kind of the same thing like that, that's what I've really learned with everything, with music, with podcasts, with, with beer, especially there's a million ways to do one thing. And I think if we all kind of get to that same thing, so this is like more of, I wanted to be reminded of Timbo pills and the beer I had at, at green cheek. So that was my, my goal. <clears throat> yeah. Hoppy Excuse lager me. bumped up ABV. Yeah. And then using the lager yeast and fermenting it cold and actually lagering it, um, you know, this is like a six, seven week beer. Mm -hmm. Um, so it, it had its time in the, in the tank. Um, I think just everything really just gets out of the way and, uh, and just really makes room for, for the hops, which is yeah. kind of the intention. Totally. Yeah. I mean, incredibly aromatic. So you, did you dry hop with those three hops as well? Yeah, those three hops on the hot side and the cold side. Got it. That's really nice. I mean, I think you you accomplish what you're trying to accomplish here is that <clears throat> this is it's kind of like a raw hop experience. You know, like there's very you know you don't have those like fruity esters um, from that ale yeast, and so it's just like crisp, it's clean, and then it's just hops just screaming at you, very tropical um really nice citrus like candy citrus it's really cool yeah yeah a little has a little like of a a, a dank backbone to it <clears throat> like yeah i mean and then again the the idea was to to have like a perfect golfing beer and and um i think we've proven that a few times <laughs> in the last few um you know tea times that we've had we've taken this beer out and it just it it hits the spot yeah, and, and from a, on the hot side, hop additions being later, I mean, it's not super bitter, so I'm assuming that you went more on the late side. Yeah, um, I am becoming a fan of adding uh, like 60-minute hops even to stuff that's not incredibly uh, bitter. Like most of our hazies now will have uh, a bittering addition because I'm just not a fan of overly sweet yeah. um, beers excuse me especially especially with um in the hazy category so i am i do find myself increasing that a little bit but um to get more hot punch without any extra bitterness i've also become a fan of like colder whirlpooling yeah so well uh, yeah we we do that pretty often so this one was no exception i believe we did this one at um it was like a 190 whirlpool we can get a nice nice hot punch in there and so Explain that a little bit. So hop addition in a cold whirlpool as opposed to hotter, what does that allow you to do? Um, so it's just the hops aren't uh, isomerizing as much as they would. Um, so, I mean, normally whirlpools would just be, you know, your boil's done. You kick off your your heat source 
and you you start to spin it and you pretty much throw your hops in. So we do that. We still do that with, you know, like Tiki Hut and and Catalina and some more of our, our older school beers. Um, but uh, instead, what we're doing for this and, and some of the newer IPAs is um, we're shutting off our heat source. Um, we're doing a whirlpool to mer- pretty much just settle everything that that's in the kettle. Um, sending it through our heat X, our heat exchanger to cool it down to a temperature we're looking for. I've played with 170 to like 195. I'm still kind of, you know, uh, collecting all my data on what does what and what I like. Um, and then once it hits that, that target, then we'll go ahead and spin it again without going through our heat X cause we'll clog, we'll clog it and then we'll add our hops and then kind of proceed as normal from there. So instead of spinning it at like a 212 or whatever, 210, we're bringing it down to 195 or 180 or something like that. Yeah. So the, essentially the concept is adding hop flavor and aroma at that like early stage, but um, not extracting the bitterness as much from those. Right. Yeah. I think you're still getting a little because um, yeah. in, in beers that we're not doing a, a 60 minute edition and even if we're doing a 180 whirlpool like there's still something there and probably yeah. getting some from dry hop as well but um yeah and then and then i when they don't uh, the hops don't I, I summarize i think whatever's going into the kettle is gonna start is gonna allow for um you know like the bi- whole biotransformation stuff as well right um you'll have more stuff that'll survive uh going into the the fermenter but really, it's just to increase the the hops in our in our kettle without getting an overwhelming bitterness. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. what's the takeaway for this beer? Is it uh, did it get where you wanted it to go? Um, and do you see yourself doing more stuff like this? Um, yeah, I think so. Um, it's it's been received really well. I try to um, keep communications open with with taproom servers. And kind of see how our beers are are being um, taken by uh, customers uh, that come in, um, and I think this one has gone really well. I know they had um, some education to do because it's a new term, you know, that's being thrown around, mm-hmm. and we have a few um, taproom workers that I think have their like their whole little spiel down perfectly. Um, that's why they're great at what they do. And I don't think I could necessarily be a, a good tap room worker because I would just start blathering on and people would just like nod off, you know, or like just back away slowly and not buy right. anything. <laughs> um, I mean, there's always stuff I, I would change. I, I do like for the very first one, not knowing how, um, you know, lagering a beer and when we're going to dry hop it and all these random questions that I never had to really like consider for a recipe um i think we're we're at a really good start um but that's kind of like my personality anyway like i'll even if i really love this i i probably still have a few notes for the next time so then the question is do we brew the same one with the same hops or do we change it up keep it interesting um but yeah this is one of the the first beers um since i've been head brewer over at king harbor that uh like improvements didn't jump at me right away usually i'm like okay let's fix that let's do that we'll change that by a percent or two and this is the first time where i've had to sit with it and like what don't i like about this beer yeah no it's yeah. really good and i think you did a great job with it and i think the, the the thing that keeps sticking in my mind as i drink it is that 
it gives you that full flavor of an IPA, but it doesn't linger on your palate. Like it washes away really, really cleanly, mm-hmm. even compared to some other like cold IPA, hoppy lager type of stuff that I've had. Um, it And it just prepares you for the next sip. So as you were saying, like the golfing beer, this isn't the type of beer that I personally bring to golf, but like I see wh- where you're going with that. And yeah, um, yeah, it's just it's an easy drinker. For people that want that really big, full hop experience, it's really cool. And I, I think, I think this beer, uh, it, it's an interesting style that I think you can play with. Whether it's yeah, bringing back the recipe intact, or yeah. having like a rotating version of this where you're using whatever fun stuff you want to play around with, right. uh, maybe keeping like, you know, the Citra and the Ido Seven, and you know rotating the Rakao with something else. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think there's like a lot of things you can do with this um, and could even see it being like something that's there on a consistent basis. It's really neat. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to try like a Wayfinder uh, cold IPA or someone that, that, you know, is sticking a little more to what they're doing. Um, yeah. Just to see how this holds up, but as just, you know, ignoring the style and just a, a hoppy beer, um, I, I'm I'm pretty happy with like where where we landed on it. Yeah, it's cool. So you talked about you know when you took over the brewery last year and this being you know the first beer that you're like really really happy with. Bring me back. So you you were doing the podcast <clears throat> and you got the job at King Harbor, probably doing absolutely everything, washing kegs, yeah, everything you possibly could. Uh, what was it like working with Phil? Uh, for that those couple years i mean he seems like a guy who's like got it i'm just kidding yeah (laughs) he seems like a guy who's like got it got it down you know like yeah no he's got an amazing pedigree and i i I feel really lucky to um to have kind of worked with him that closely for that long i mean if people don't know he started at bootleggers went to the siebel academy and was able to study in germany for a bit and then became like head of production head brewer at stone and then went on to the brewery and Placentia and, and then King Harbor. So yeah, I mean, for me, that's an incredible pedigree. And like I said, he was one of our first guests on the podcast. And, um, when I knew that I was like ready to leave, uh, Zymergy, uh, you know, I always have like a short list of like where I would love to go or who I would love to learn from more. It was it, more, it was like, who do I want to learn from? Like who's doing stuff? I really, really, and like, he was actually one of like the top three in my head because of, because of like where he's come from and in his knowledge and everything like that. And so, um, yeah, was lucky enough to, to like hear about that, you know, their summer intern was about to leave and I just like bug the fuck out of him. Sorry. I don't know if I could cuss on the podcast. Yeah, you can. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I, I just bugged him and uh, he finally hit me up and yeah, just jumped in like on a canning run one day. And then he asked if I wanted to do, part-time so i was splitting time between king harbor and zymergy and and like doing some audio restoration and then the podcast so it felt like i had four different part-time jobs and then um i was there for like two weeks and it was just like perfect timing every single time but like the guy who was ahead of me gave his two weeks notice so then i was no longer helping out when they needed it randomly now i was okay, now you're going to be doing kegs and all this utility work and stocking the tasting rooms and delivering our beer to the distributor. I'm like, okay. 
And then like two months of that, and then someone else decided to leave. So they're like, okay, well now we need you full time. And now you're going to be going into the cellar and then spent like, um, you know, a year in the cellar. And then their le- the lead brewer at the time, um, like said he was going to leave. So then it was just Phil and myself. And I had brought actually my brother in at that point. And so he was kind of doing part-time stuff uh, as well. So uh, everything just kind of moved real quick. So just to give you an idea of how fast it, it was and how fortunate I was, I started King Harbor in 2017 and became head brewer in 2020. Um, so my like timeline of working in the beer industry is very short and I definitely feel that, you know, like I feel <laughs> somewhat of a fraud, um, especially when I hear like, you know, Julian on your podcast who like homebrewed and was able to talk to Tommy Arthur and, and Vinny and all these people. And I'm like, that's, that's, that's a head brewer. Like he's the main dude. I'm over here. Like I worked at Zyramergy and I worked at King Harbor for a couple of years, you know, <laughs> um, but it was great. I mean, the, the knowledge that he's got is, is is uh like is vast and i i call him all the time like he's still very much like um like a kind of like a mentor figure and i mean he built that brewery so any little thing goes wrong like he i know he'll he'll be able to like help me out and figure out something um so yeah it was it was fun like you know we would work hard and then we would all we all got into barbecuing so there'd be days where we had like a smoker going while we were canning or you know whatever and um yeah, no, it was great. It was great working with him. And he, he's still close by. He he still stops by randomly to pick up stuff or borrow things. So um and now that we're in the golf, now we hang like we have way more to talk about. So um yeah, it was it was cool. It was a fun experience. That's awesome. So yeah. uh yeah, you mentioned just like a few years there. Uh you got your brother involved, which like that that hits home for me because my brother I worked closely with him and he was a part of Hopped LA for a little while. Oh, Helped me cool. build it uh, from the very beginning and um, may possibly be making a, a uh, comeback pretty soon. We'll see. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's so cool. So your brother, like, yeah, did, how did, what was the, the process for getting him involved there? Uh, so uh, he actually um, helped out at Zymergy as well. I think we just oh, needed cool. an extra hand. I, I asked if I asked if he needed uh, if he wanted some you know extra hours doing something. He had a great job in the aerospace industry while he was doing uh, going to school, and um, turned out he also hated his job. So <laughs> um, minimum wage in a shitty brewery was just what he needed, uh, just like I did. So when I left Zymergy, then he stepped up and kind of became like the new me and just took took care of everything. And then when we needed help at um, King Harbor, I'm like, let's, let's get you out of there. Let's, you know, if you want, you can come over here. We need help. Um, and, uh, and yeah, he jumped on there and like worked out perfectly. Like the personalities with, with Phil, myself and my brother, just, it worked great. And like, I'm a little more, um, like a, a, a creative, I guess, like I can be technical, um, if I spend time on it, but my brother's the opposite. He's very technical and, you know, like had went into a like robotics club throughout high school and worked in aerospace and, um, and that's a little more like Phil. So, um, so my brother and I are kind of like one 
really good functioning brewer <laughs> together. <laughs> um, and so he's been there just a, almost as long as I have and, and stepped up, like as I stepped up, he filled in. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's uh, being an idiot now and trying to better himself through higher education. So he's <laughs> only like he's part time now. Um, but he still comes in and, and like, and really, uh, like helps out and stuff. But yeah, he's been my, my right hand man for, for everything. So, uh, it's been great to have him. Like we, we get along when we fight it, like we could usually resolve it within a day. It's usually because one of us is hungry. Um, (laughs) so, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's great. It, It sucks, uh, that he wants to go, you know, learn him some, but it is what it is. Yeah, um, is, and I'm assuming that's not to put that brain back to brewing use. Like he's gonna go back into aerospace or something. No, like I don't. Well, so he he went back for uh, microbiology, so that can oh, go into brewing. Yeah. but you know, it's it's not going to be worth it for him and and the student debt. Yeah, <laughs> he's going to be in to come back to King Harbor because our lab is is like one table, you know, one right. stainless steel <laughs> table. Uh, it'd be great if he you know, like went into like a Sierra Nevada or a Firestone mm-hmm. or something gigantic with a, with a real lab or whatever. So yeah, I don't know what his plan is. If, I mean, I know he loves the beer industry, but um, yeah, we're, we're, we just kind of go with the flow. I mean, he's still around, he's local. Um, when I need something, he's usually available. So, uh, but yeah, that'd be cool. That's cool. You know? And in the long run, I don't know what our plan is. People, our family always ask when we're opening up our own thing. I, I mean, yeah, wouldn't that be nice for everybody? But if every brewer and every brewery wants to open up their own thing, we'd have a brewery every other building, you know? Right. Yeah, that's kind of what it felt like back in, like, 2016, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. It's slowed down a little bit since then. But, I mean, yeah, market forces. I mean, we're coming out of a interesting time. And that's what I was, I was thinking about um, back when... Phil left King Harbor and you stepped up and kind of took over the brewery. We're obviously like, we were like right in that first, like six months of the pandemic, right? It was like in the summer of last year. So a lot of times, like I feel like certain, you know, depending on your role at the brewery, some people were kind of fearful for their hours being cut or what they were able to do and what things were going to look like long-term and all that kind of stuff. So where was your mindset at right before that? I mean, I'm assuming you knew well in advance of Phil's plan. Like, what can you talk me through about like how that process? Went? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we weren't uh, a special case or anything. It was hard for us uh, too, especially with all the random mandates that we had to abide by, you know, like mm-hmm. selling food, but a sandwich is not a food like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Like I said, Tiki Hut kept us alive. Um, we were sending out a couple pallets of that every month. Um to uh distro for for accounts um and we're we're a small small like production you know so um right before the pandemic hit is when uh my brother went back to school full-time so he actually like left the brewery but like kept it open-ended if we needed help he'd come back so it was perfect timing because um yeah he left and then the pandemic happened like a, a month later Um, so it was just myself and Phil. And so I've been like the lead brewer for a couple years, maybe like, uh, 2018. Um, 
So I did most of the production work. And if we like double brewed, then he would like take the second brew or something like that. And he would just handle more of the like managerial office um, stuff, which is the stuff I, I hate dealing with. I'd rather, I'd rather like sweat all day brewing like five batches if I had to, rather than sit and write emails. Um, <laughs> so it was really just Phil and myself and, uh, Eric and maybe a tap room, uh, person like helping out when we needed it. So it was small. Um, and then May comes around and, um, for me personally, like, yeah, we, we had to like really be um, conservative with what we brewed. So we were really only brewing like Tiki Hut and, and Guava, uh, not very many seven barrels. Um, mm-hmm. And then because, uh, you know, we had beer in the cold box when everything shut down, you know, yeah. that beer wasn't moving. So we had mountains of kegs that just weren't going anywhere. So we were brewing conservatively. But around um, like April, May, I had realized... Um, like I can't really move up in King Harbor anymore. Like Phil is a part owner and the head brewer. I don't think he's leaving his own brewery soon. It was my thinking. So I had actually prepped my resume, got it ready to go. And, uh, like finished up my day in my head. I had, all right, got to finish this thing, wrap that up, hot rinse the floor. And then I'm going to get out of here, read my resume and my cover letter one more time. And I'm going to send it to two or three breweries that I knew were hiring. I was taking my boots off and Phil comes walking over and he goes, so what do you think about being head brewer? And I'm like, what? He's like, well, and I'm before he said anything, I'm like, are you leaving? He's like, I just need to know if you're interested because he was talking with the owner in the office. And that's when we found out that he was leaving. So I just thought this guy would never leave. Uh, I need to find another place because like, I love working there, but you know, I wanted more opportunities. I wanted maybe a change of scenery. Um, I just wanted to do different stuff. And, um, and that day I was going to send my resume, like he, he, uh, he offered me the position. So that was in May, uh, in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, and then he let like his official last day was like early August. Um, so but he had tried to like, like, you know, teach me everything that I needed to do, what I was responsible for, and then was always in communication after that. Um, so that's that's where we were. So I had like a little bit of a pandemic promotion. Um, I didn't really stop going to work and neither did Phil like during the pandemic. Like, you know, it was a quick it's a, you know, eight minute drive to work for me. So we still had to take care of the beer. We were deemed an essential business. So we just mm-hmm. kept rolling with it. There are a bunch of employees that depend on you know, beer still still being made so it could be sold. Um, so it didn't really change for me that much. The, you know, the weirdest thing was going to the supermarket, you know, in between my house and, and, and the brewery. Um, but yeah, we went to work pretty much every day and things pretty, pretty much stay the same. Traffic was amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, made a lot of trips to LA. I usually don't go above the one Oh five, you know, if I don't have to, but went to Highland park a few times cause it took five minutes to get there from Torrance during the pandemic. (laughs) Um, So that was pretty great. But yeah, that was it. We just got that promotion in in May and then kind of like had it on my own in August. So it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like another example of impeccable timing for your career, Mm -hmm. right? Like it just continues that trend of right place, right time, right decisions. Like you've just, 
it's just a somehow worked out for you, which is amazing. And, um, I think also just, yeah, I mean like that, that trajectory that like, maybe you didn't plan it out, but like you were somewhat intentional about what you were doing, how you were doing it, even if you weren't conscious of it, like, yeah, it just seemed to have worked out for you. And I think, you know, when you talk about, you know, your, you know, shorter brewing professional brewing career compared to a lot of others out there, I think it's just like an example of, you know, the industry at large, right? Like the industry has grown a lot and there's, it's, that's provided a ton of growth opportunities for people that are newer to the industry. And I think, it's inspiring. Like if I w- wanted to be a brewer hearing your story, I'm like, shit, man, I think that something could be possible. I just need to put the work in, not yeah. just hope it'll happen, but like proactively go out there and find opportunities and make it happen. And then hopefully with a little luck and putting yourself in the right position, um, you'll eventually get to that, to that point. And, you know, I mean, I think you say you talking about how you were ready to go, like start looking for another job. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's just a sign of that. Like, I mean, even at that point, you were lead brewer, but it had only been like, you know, a year and a half or whatever since you had been in that position. So like you were already kind of like foreseeing the future. And a lot of people will coast on that in that role for Mm -hmm. a couple more years than you did uh, or than when you were ready for to to kind of move on. So I think it's just a really cool story about that. Like just it's an inspirational. Yeah, I mean, it's again like a little bit of uh, feel a little bit of like a like a fraud when you hear people that are like ah, I was keg washer for five years and then right. <laughs> and then I was able to sweep the cellar for three years and then and then I was able to look at the brew for another year. You know, it's just like you hear <laughs> how long it takes, and I'm like, man, yeah. my story wasn't like that. But I know it wasn't it wasn't just luck. Like I always tried to to show Phil and anyone else that I was there to like. I mean, I love I love the job. Like even today, you know, like. If I get comfortable, I get bored. And if I get mm-hmm. bored, I stop caring. And I, that has never happened in the brewing industry. Even like with with the previous brewery, like I knew I needed to leave, but like I never um, like uh, like slacked at it, you know, like even if it was already a, a 10 or 12 hour day and, and Phil was still there, I'd always ask like, well, I finish all this. Is there anything else you need? You know, like I just, that's, that's just the attitude I had. Like I really do love this industry and, and the job, like I said, I would be sweating brewing five batches a day if I had to, like, I don't think it'd be a problem. Um, it's, it's, it's been really fun. So, uh, I think I put in the work and I think I showed him like, you know, for our ooh, fifth year anniversary, um, whoever's idea it was, was to have as many small batch R and D brews as possible. So I think we did like 30, and I was responsible for almost 99% of those beers. So we brewed like 30 half barrel batches of beer that I like who made sure that they were done on time for our anniversary party. And it was the most stressful, but the most fun thing ever. <laughs> and I think like doing that and I had all these charts of like this beer is here, that beer is here. We need to do this. That's going to be ready here. If we don't have that ingredient here, it's not going to work. And like, I think showing them that I could do that kind of, maybe like led them to believe that I could, I could probably handle more. Um, but yeah, it can't just be all luck because I had luck in, in like the entertainment industry and uh, I didn't, I wasn't prepared for it, you know, like 
toured a studio with the guy who was responsible for like the the audio for the office and the simpsons and i'm like i'm in i made it i'm gonna do audio as a professional and then when they finally had an opportunity they're like send me your reel and i'm like i don't have one i made this album you know they're like that's not enough sorry so that really taught me okay you need that luck you need that timing with that opportunity but you better be ready mm-hmm. when that opportunity comes you know so like i've i've told taproom workers not just at king harbor but anyone that's asked especially if if like they heard the podcast like how do i you know get promoted or move up and i'm like just show whoever's in charge that you are interested you know like keep asking questions like um you know if you want to be a brewer like really get involved in home brewing you know because if you just say you want to like work in beer but you've home brewed one batch and you don't have any like of the you know the coveted homebrew books that everyone's read and like how are you showing anybody else that that's what you really want to do yeah so um i mean and it wasn't like i i really had to go out of my way to do that i genuinely liked it you know like i listened to to jamil zanishef and john palmer's brew strong like all the, their catalog goes back like 20 years so you never finish their catalog of episodes and you wanted to learn something about like, well, why is this problem happening in my, my IPA? Like there's a, there's 10 episodes they have on it. So like, um, yeah, I don't think I had to try very hard. I think I just really like beer and the industry that I just became obsessed with it. Well, I mean, that's a, that's a winning combo right there. Love it. Yeah. So I want to, uh, cruise into the next beer. And okay. start kind of diving into that. So the the kind of crown jewel of this episode is going to be the French toast. But before I do, yeah. I just want to give a shout out to the Dunkel. Um, yeah. I wish we could open them all, but it is, we just don't have the time. Uh, lead sales, is that the, the pronunciation? Yeah, you said it right. Okay, cool. Uh, Munich style Dunkel with rye. Um, collab with Naughty Pine Brewing just opened yeah. up. Uh, so how did this collab come about? Um, I think I ran into Brittany um, at one of the last uh, LA Brewer Guild Fest. Um, and I knew uh, that she was studying or doing like a master's in microbiology, which my brother was just about to start. So mm-hmm. I told them that she'd be a great, you know, source of, of information for him. Um so like we introduced ourselves there and didn't talk to her for a while after. Um, I honestly don't remember like what sparked conversation again, but there was a point where I felt comfortable enough uh, when I became head brewer to talk to her about lagers, you know, her coming from Ennegren and like that's a, a brewery I really respect for their lagers and um, they, I mean, they make amazing stuff. So um, yeah, she was like my, my contact and um she was kind enough as she got the building for, for Naughty Pine um, to uh, meet up with me. And we actually went to Tarantula Hill and uh, I took my, um, the Mexican Cerveza, which was new at the time. And I kind of wanted her feedback on it. And then Topside as well, wanted her feedback on that. Um, and yeah, we just started talking, going back and forth with like, you know, how to improve this or what she does for this. And um, yeah, she's just, uh, someone that I really, uh, respect and admire. And if you hear her story, like she's done so much and I'm pretty sure we're close to the same age. I know I've asked her, but I can't remember, um, like owned a brewery in, in Maui and, and has done all these things. And I was like, man, if she could do that with a kid and going to get her 
like masters and like I should be able to do this, you know? So, uh, yeah, she's someone I look, look up to and really wanted to like connect with. So yeah, we just been going back and forth. And, uh, when I knew she was opening up her brewery, I'm like, we gotta, we gotta collab. And then again, for the anniversary, I thought it'd be a perfect opportunity to, to make some cool new stuff. Um, and started going back and forth. It was kind of Oktoberfest season and, um, yeah, just started going on Dunkel path and what can we do that we like? And we both really like rye but don't always use it because it's a pain in the ass to work with. Um, yeah, that's really what it was. She just, she came down after we, and it was a genuine collab too. Like I was what I, it was what I hoped for, you know, I would like, this is my idea. And she would come back. Well, let, this is my idea. And we just kind of mesh and, and talked for a couple hours and, um, yeah, and it was really fun. Came over and she brewed and, uh, I dropped her off like a case of it, uh, the day after the grand opening and, uh yeah i'm pretty pretty happy with that beer is fun to make that's awesome yeah i can't wait to try it and you know i think approaching oktoberfest and thinking about beer and being able to say we're not gonna do the like standard fest beer we're not gonna you know do a meritson we're gonna do something a little bit different i I love that thinking and i i've heard her talk about her love for rye and then i was (laughs) doing a little like research on you and going back into like a bunch of old beers that you used to brew and i kept seeing this like this hazy used to do with rye and i was like oh "Oh, he likes rye a little bit too and so i was like oh that makes sense uh that that this ended up turning out that way i wasn't sure like you know who (laughs) drove that but it it makes sense that it came from both sides yeah a lot of the hazies or ipas in general when i was at zymergy usually had a good amount of rye in them like uh, one of the beers was was rye bradbury was one that's of the one that i remember yeah. And, yeah rye of the ancient mariner after an iron maiden song um <laughs> yeah I, I was obsessed with it and then we didn't really use it when i was in King harbor so it's a pretty good excuse to get back into it awesome well that's super yeah. cool and i can't wait to try that beer um but we are going to jump into the uh the main beer for this show this is the french toast latte um dessert stout with cinnamon vanilla coffee maple syrup and lactose uh collab with hi-fi espresso and i mean really nice looking can here just a beautiful label design um i love that black and gold yeah thanks what are we looking at? Nine percent on this beer. Um, so, yeah, what's the what's the backstory? I mean, I'm sure that coming up for the anniversary, you're like, we want to do a bigger beer. We want to do something, you know, a little bit crazy and special. And um, yeah, where did where did the idea start? And kind of how did it get to this? Um, yeah, I mean, like I I loved brewing big decadent stouts um in the early days of brewing and nowadays i don't necessarily like drinking them a lot but i love mm-hmm. brewing them and coming up with the recipes um and, and it's something we didn't really do much of uh in king harbor like uh when i started i mean we always had king swirly was like our main big stout that was barrel aged um yeah and then you know we're, we're just not one of those breweries that are like known and people don't go to for like these big stouts and uh when we do darker beers they just they move slower you know like in our experience people do want more you know beach life beers Mm -hmm. they want hoppy and crisp and easy drinking and fruity um so again uh anniversary was a great excuse to do 
something a little different. So a uh, big decadent stout that just round out the the variety was was something I really liked. And um, it was a version that I did during our fifth year anniversary. It was something similar to this that went over pretty well. So uh, like one of those uh, R&D beers. Yeah. Yeah. It was like uh, the inspiration was, you know, the the spot called the pie hole in like downtown L.A.? I've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they have this one pie called uh, it's just uh, Mexican chocolate cake or Mexican chocolate pie. And I had it one day and it was just like the most delicious thing I've ever had. It's like um, if you just like take the essence of walking into a bakery that just pulled out a fresh sheet of cookies and they just like pulled an espresso, just that essence of the room, like put into a cake or a pie. I wanted that in a beer. And so that was the beer I did for uh, the anniversary. Um, and this beer is kind of like um, a different version of that. So um, being a new head brewer, I do like collabs, whether it's to learn from someone, just, you know, do something fun with uh, friends or, um, you know, to like strengthen a, a relationship with with another business. And, um, you know, what I've said was the only other place besides King Harbor that you will see multiple King Harbor employees is uh, Hi-Fi Espresso. You know, they've got a spot right uh, up the street from our Riviera Village tasting room, mm. and they got a spot closer to the brewery location in Redondo. Um, and I go there, and it's kind of like my, my ritual, and I'm usually picking up uh, coffee and a bagel or something like three times a week there. I uh, usually run into one of our other tasting room employees there after he goes surfing. Um, and then when you walk in Saturday, like to a shift, usually our tasting room managers has, they have a hi-fi cup, you know, with yeah. them that they're drinking out of. Um, so it, it's a, it's a business that we all, uh, it's a coffee shop that we all really enjoy. And I, I love what they do and they have really good quality coffee and matcha and tea and everything like that. So um, during the pandemic became more friendly with the owner. Um, and, uh, like always did that thing of like, oh yeah, we're going to have to make a beer one day. And, and that day came when we were planning the anniversary. So their number one selling drink is French toast latte. So it's kind of an easy decision, um, to do a, a nice decadent stout in that style. Yeah, this is, uh, I mean, it sounds amazing. It sounds kind of intense, uh, but I'm all about it. I'm down. <laughs> um, so I was, I was pulling up uh, the kind of like official description just to uh -huh. uh, remind myself because we're. Yeah, I was like, I know that the coffee beans, so Nicaraguan coffee beans on this Madagascar yeah. vanilla, obviously uh, very <laughs> sought after ingredient for a lot of these types of beers. Yeah. Um, so not a cheap beer to make, obviously. Right. Don't tell. So the this one is this one, uh, still available or is this one all gone? Uh, it's still available. Oh, yeah. Cool. We've got, we've got a little bit left. Awesome. So if you're yeah. listening again, to we this... were planning for an anniversary party. So, um, right. When we postponed it, you know, still have some leftover yeah cool glass thank you for the glass too oh yeah no problem is this the uh anniversary glassware too yeah that was the anniversary glassware oh my god are you kidding me 
Yeah, you nail uh, from an aroma standpoint, like you nailed that imagery you're talking about, like the cookies, <laughs> the coffee. Uh, yeah, I mean, wonderful cinnamon component to this to the aroma. Yeah, thank you. Mm. Yeah, really nice. It, everything's going together really well. Mm. And just from an appearance standpoint, it doesn't get much better. Like it's exactly what you want to see. That's really good. Wow. I, I, I mean, it, it's super well balanced. Um, that's kind of like the first thing that comes to mind is I'm not like being pulled in the coffee direction. The maple is really restrained. Um, vanilla is just like right where you want it to be. And even the alcohol, um, it feels really nice. I mean, everything just kind of feels really well balanced here. It's really cool. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, like for me, there, there's a big difference between a dessert stout and a pastry stout, um, and I just didn't want it to be so cloying. Like, I, like I've had uh, too many drunken experiences with bourbon barrel aged stuff to the point where it gives me shivers if I smell it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, and I just didn't, I just didn't want like people to think they were getting diabetes by drinking one can. So, like, I wanted it to be drinkable. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I do like making those really thick, you know, where it just like takes years to pull away from the top of the glass after you swirl it. Those are fun too. But um, I knew that a lot of like hi-fi customers would probably be interested in this. And uh, I kind of figured they might be new to craft beer, maybe don't know what's going on. And I didn't want to turn them off too much. So um like we did, I did like a little side by side with this and their actual French toast latte. And I'm like, okay, I think, I think we got it. Like there's a little bit of like a, like, you know, there's coffee in there. You kind of, it kind of peaks back on the back of your palate. Um, after you've, you've had your sip, the cinnamon is all up front. The vanilla really helps kind of like dessert it up, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, and the maple is like, you might have to look for it a little bit, um, but yeah, cinnamon, cinnamon, coffee, and a little chocolate were kind of like the main, the main things I wanted to get across for this. <laughs> yeah, super cool. Um, so, a you know, this is a the type of beer that you would expect to drink with like a little bit more body mouthfeel, uh, more syrupiness. Um, yeah. How do you how do you make it? drink so i mean not not to say that it's thin by any means but it's a really nice like medium body and yeah. like you said that was intentional like how did how did you make that happen um so i think i like i had notes on how to make like a big bold syrupy stout and i i just ignored some of some of those notes um you know, I think if I were going to rebrew this one, I probably would like extend the boil a hair, maybe just to build it up just a tiny bit more. Excuse me. Um, but it, it's, I mean, trying to balance the bitterness with the the hops that we used in the beginning, plus what we knew we were going to hopefully get from the coffee that we were adding. Um, and um, I don't know, just really starting off with a, a good supportive, like, uh, grist, uh recipe like grain bill um yeah we didn't we didn't go too crazy there's lactose in there but it, it's not too much uh i, I think know. you I nailed mean, it i honestly think you nailed it like especially coming from the king harbor perspective where you do have to be mindful of you are a beach brewery like this is kind of the the vibe that 
you do play within and also that fact that you wanted to also cater to those hi-fi coffee drinkers i think that you just you got it right where it needed to be it's it's awesome i love it cool thank you yeah i mean it, it doesn't drink like it's nine percent that's for sure yeah that seems to be my mo with with <laughs> high alcohol stuff these days we don't we haven't done a lot of like double ipas west coast or hazy and we've 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 gotten back into it recently, and, and that seems to be the consensus is that they're usually pretty dangerous to drink, which I really like because there's nothing I dislike more than a than a sweet malt bomb with like hot alcohol heat in like a double or a triple IPA. Yeah. I'm, I'm just not a fan of high alcohol stuff. I'm too old now. I <laughs> <laughs> can't handle it. Well, I think also, you know, like we keep coming back to like King Harbor, the, that beach beach beer type of mentality. Um, I mean, there's some truth to that, right? I mean, you're located yeah. in Redondo beach. Like you have that waterfront tap room that is right there on the water. And um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I feel like you can't run from that and if you have to embrace it in a way that's not like one dimensional. And I, yeah. I think at least from the couple things I've tried tonight and then the little bit I've had, the last time I tried your beers, um, it seems like you're doing that pretty well. So that's pretty cool. cool. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, you're, you mentioned, you know, you took <clears throat> over the brewery, like you're brewing some of these beers and like making them your own. You're starting to put your own stamp on things. What is the future? Like, what, what does the future look like for you? Like, where are you trying to take it? Uh, trying to take King Harbor? Where are you trying to take the beer? Um, Another good question. Um, I don't know, like maybe uh, as I've uh, alluded to earlier, I, I, I normally go with the flow. So I may like subconsciously have a direction I might be pushing in, but I, it really is one step at a time. And that's something I really learned during all the shutdowns and pandemic, right? I mean, you could plan as much as you want, but it, it only takes a second for everything to go the complete opposite way. So I think in the in the short term, I mean, my overall goal when I stepped in was just leave this place better than I found it. And not that it was in a bad spot, but, you know, like that's that's just my mentality, you know, like improve, you know, hop contracts. Like, let's let's try to, like, get more people physically in the tasting room. Let's do some more like some exciting stuff, even if it's only seven barrel batch, you know, like. um like let's push things in certain directions, see what we can like get away with. Cause maybe it'll lead to something more interesting. So, so it's really just small things that like to really put it in that nutshell is just, yeah, I'm trying to leave it better than I found it. Um, in like in every aspect that we can, you know, um, trying to make things more efficient, try to make things more exciting. Um, but I mean, in the short term, what I'm planning for is, um, actually what I wanted to like to mention is, is people always seem surprised when 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 we tell them that like you know the the slow season is upon us, and uh, it's not just us; it's every brewery and and most businesses too. So, you know, if I could like get on a soapbox for a second, is just you know don't forget about the businesses you care about like as these holidays approach because you know summer is what keeps most breweries alive. So when we were all shut down a year ago. Um, it was really hard for everybody, you know? And, uh, so yeah, the slow season starts now, especially as it gets colder. A lot of these breweries or warehouses, I know we are, so we don't have heating or anything. So people don't want to stick around. I get it. 
But when you have family come over and like grab some crawlers and some cans, you know, don't forget about your favorite breweries, um, help them get through these slow times. So right now it's like, it's just, you know, conservative brewing again is, is what we're entering. And, um, but still trying to keep things a little bit exciting so that people stick around and, and so that when we ramp back up, when the weather warms up, the, all those people are there and ready for some, for some new, new cool, uh, beer. Um, that's really all I'm, I'm planning for right now. I mean, I'd love to, you know, fix stuff around the brewery as we do slow down. That's cool. Uh, we got a new foamer that we can clean our tanks with. So that's exciting. Got to check the manual out real quick and we'll start cleaning our, our tanks like every day. Um, <laughs> cleaning the exterior of our tanks all the time now, but that's really it. I mean, I'd love to do more collabs with, with brewers that I, I respect and want to hang out with and learn from. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know if that answered your question. It, I don't have like a grand, grand plan. Um, really just going like a day and a week at a time right now to see yeah. who knows what the next, you know, we'd love to throw a party. Like I said, we postponed our sixth slash seventh year anniversary and we usually get upwards of like 500 people that we just shut down the whole parking lot. Wow. Um, it's a big thing. So we postponed it because we didn't know what mandates were about to happen, you know, and we didn't want to have to deal with like whatever we had. To. I mean, turned out it would have been okay, but um, we just didn't know like too much yeah, before. Yeah, it was a weird time. Yeah. Yeah. So we're just like, uh, if we want to do it, we got to do it right. We got to do it the King Harbor way. 500 plus people, live bands, food, you know, we wanted to go all out and mm-hmm. we just didn't feel comfortable that we could do that. Um, so I don't know where there's talks about doing something before our a next anniversary comes around just so we could like be around people again and and show them that we could still have a good time but um yeah for now it's just keeping things consistent and trying to keep the quality up if not you know better and uh hopefully brew some more interesting like smaller batch stuff to keep people happy for the next uh couple months or so nice yeah awesome well i'm uh I'm all about it. I mean, what you're saying about the slow season, I don't think it's uh, super intuitive to a lot of consumers. Like, I really didn't think about that. Um, and it probably is even more applicable to you guys being like, like we were saying, like the beach brewery uh, yeah. where it does get a lot colder. Because um, I'm like, I drink, I feel like I drink more <laughs> during the winter, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense that people aren't going out to tap rooms and that's where most breweries are making most of their profit are in those like direct sales at the retail side. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's a great call to action is to, for everyone to to pick up beer, to go out to your local brewery, check them out. Um, King Harbor, I feel like if you haven't been there in a while, um, yeah, give them a look. New Brand new brewer. Got some new yeah. stuff coming out, some new experimentation, um, yeah, different look on things. And the beers that we tried tonight, Four Right, Cold IPA, uh, French Toast Latte Stout, these aren't going to be around much longer. So if you're listening to this and it is still the month of October and maybe the beginning of November, uh, get your ass out to Redondo Beach, pick up uh, these beers. And uh, yeah, if not, just... Check out the uh, King Harbor Instagram, see what's new, and head out there and pick some stuff up. And again, follow John South Bay Brew John. Yeah, right the uh, the old podcast Instagram turned the personal. old podcast. Yep, 
Yeah, if you look deep enough, you'll see the other guys on there. I am. Yeah, I went through it all today. Yeah, yeah okay. I saw all the old guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how, how's Brent? Is he still in LA? Yeah, yeah. I think he's just like getting fat and happy, not like working. I think. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I not- want him to open up something so bad because it's just his beer knowledge and and yeah. like enthusiasm for it is wasted right now. So if you're, listening, I wasn't Brent, sure if he was going to do something else in the industry. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe he's just waiting for the right time or maybe he's over it. I mean, you know, who knows? I know it wasn't a great experience with the the franchise, but I mean, there was probably, to be honest, the best bottle shop in, in my neck of the woods. Like, yeah, just so absolutely. many options. You could always do pull one can off a four pack if you wanted. And it was an amazing selection. And I really miss it a lot. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Well, maybe yeah. we'll see a reincarnation or a little reunion of the podcast one of these days. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, now there's technology like this, this Riverside <clears throat> app that we're using, like it uploads everything to the, it, it downloads everything locally. So after we shut off, it'll upload everything like from your side to the cloud. So we're not operating off like the stream oh. compression, but yeah, I mean, you know, new technology makes it a little bit yeah. easier. Well, Brian, has decided that I was his lost Abbey mule. He's obsessed with Tommy Arthur and lost Abbey. So he's part of their membership and he gets a, like a box sent to my house almost monthly. And I, oh, I wow. take him to the brewery cause I can't fit him here. And so he has to make a trip out here by car to collect his like 50 boxes of wow. really nice <laughs> lost Abbey beer. If yeah. a duck, duck goose goes missing, I don't think he would notice. So <laughs> if you come down to King Harbor, I could probably entertain you with some, <laughs> some cable car. We just won't tell him. Right. Right. Yeah. That sounds good. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll have to yeah. do it in person. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for joining today. It was awesome. Hearing yeah. Thank your story. you for having me. Awesome. Drinking these beers. I mean, congrats on everything you've been able to do. Thank and, you. Uh, I mean, that's why I was asking you about what what's next because you seem to have, you know, you seem to always be in motion. Like there's there's gonna be something next. You may not know what it is yet, but you're already preparing for for it, even if you don't know it. So yeah, um, I function on, this, on a it. low level of anxiety, so I always have to keep moving. <laughs> <laughs> cool, man. Uh, well, thanks a lot. Cheers. Cool. Yeah, cheers. Thank you very much. And there you have it. Thank you so much to John for joining the podcast, telling us his story. It was super interesting to hear everything that he's been up to and also uh, really what King Harbor has in store for us all. It is awesome to see an L.A. brewery seven years strong, continuing to innovate and put out amazing product and amazing product. uh, Yeah, this dessert stout that I'm sipping on is truly incredible. So hopefully you picked it up and you're drinking it along with us. But if not, this is your final call. Get this beer. If it's October, November time, head out to King Harbor. They have three locations in Redondo Beach and pick up this beer, pick up the cold IPA, um, pick up any of the other stuff they're putting out because it's really interesting. And even if King Harbor was a brewery you tried back in the day, this is a new brewery now uh, with a new philosophy, a new brewer, Uh, A lot of cool things going on. So I really appreciate what they're doing. And like John said, the slowdown is real. So please remember 
not just King Harbor, but all your local breweries. Uh, keep them in mind as you're thinking about um, going out, what you want to do, what you want to drink, where you want to spend your time and your money. They could really use it. And there's some really exciting stuff going on at King Harbor and at a lot of these LA breweries. So um, definitely do that. Thank you so much for listening, for watching, whatever you may be doing. Uh, We really appreciate you. Please follow along on our email newsletter. We have a lot of really cool stuff coming, including a exclusive membership program where you're going to get content, merch, and a lot of really cool community access. Uh, We'll be doing some really fun stuff, and I hope to see you guys on the other side of that. We will be announcing details on that soon. Uh, But go to hopdelay.com slash subscribe. Get on the email newsletter. We're putting everything there first going forward. So uh, we'll see you guys next week. Cheers. Cheers.